You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today's episode is a really special one for me. Some of you may be familiar with my guest, Mark Anthony. He is a psychic medium whose work is something I became familiar with a short time after Paranorm Girl was born, actually. Who knew that in just a year, I would have the privilege of having him on my own show. Mark recently released a new book titled The Afterlife Frequency because we spend quite a bit of time discussing what it's about and what's in it during our conversation, I won't say anything about it but this. It has been a very long time since I've read a book about the afterlife and spirit communication that gave me so much hope and a much clearer understanding of a topic that most folks look toward with fear if they aren't avoiding it altogether. If the subject of what happens to us after death is something of a special interest to you, if you find yourself fascinated with spirit contact but can appreciate a scientific understanding of how it is even possible, and if you often wish you could connect with a passed-on loved one and you believe it's possible but just can't seem to experience it yourself, this one is going to be for you. Please enjoy my conversation with the psychic explorer, Mark Anthony J.D. Mark Anthony, psychic explorer, also known as the psychic lawyer, is a fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He is an Oxford-educated attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. This psychic explorer travels to mystical locations and remote corners of the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. Mark appears nationwide on TV and radio, including CBS TV's The Doctors and Gaia TV's Beyond Belief with George Norrie. He is the co-host of The Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network. He is a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and universities, which include Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Mark is a columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. He is the author of The Afterlife Frequency, published by New World Library, and his other best-selling books are Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. Please welcome my very special guest, Mark Anthony. Thank you, Kristen. I've been looking forward to this podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, oh, it's it's it, it's my honor, really. I'm, I'm, I thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. I know that you are a very, very busy man these days, so I, I do appreciate you taking the time. So, your new book, The Afterlife Frequency, um, I loved it. I've read it twice. It is such a compelling read, so I can't wait to get into that and ask you all about that. I thought maybe we could start out talking a little bit about you. Um, so in The Afterlife Frequency, you wrote about growing up psychic. When, when did you realize you had the ability? 
I was about three and a half years old, and I started talking and interacting with my invisible friends. Now, if, you know, the thing is, Kristen, that's not an unusual thing for a toddler to have, quote-unquote, invisible friends. But when mommy and daddy can see who I'm talking to, and that's because both of my parents had mediumistic and psychic abilities. And uh, I remember my mom going, oh, he's got it. And my dad saying, oh, he's got it. <laughs> so, so there were very, very different reactions. Um, my mother's side of the family, they, they were of Italian descent. And in their culture, this was looked at as a, a gift of the divine and uh, a vision of the Holy Spirit. My father's family, uh, they were from Pennsylvania, and they were very conservative Baptists. And even though my father, his sister, his mother, and his maternal grandmother all had these abilities, uh, it was kept behind closed doors and not openly discussed. You tell a story I've heard before about uh, a member of your family that uh, the reason why that was kept behind closed doors. Can you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. My father had three sisters and a brother, and only one of his siblings was like him, his sister Marjorie. And she was extremely gifted as a psychic and a medium. She could see spirits, and she was also could anticipate future events. And unfortunately, she was married to a, a very religious guy, I go so far as to call him a religious fanatic, and he didn't like her abilities. One morning, he was getting ready to go to work. He was uh, a machinist that worked at a steel plant in Pennsylvania, and she threw a fit. She goes, you're not going, you're not going. I got a terrible, terrible feeling, and, and she began to cry, and he said, fine, I'll just humor you, and he stayed home. So what happened that day, Kristen, is a crane was lifting thousands of pounds of, of steel beams and the cable snapped and it crushed the machine shop that he worked in and killed everybody in it. So logically, I mean, if he had been at work, there's about a 99% chance that he would have been in that machine shop and killed. So he felt that instead of being grateful, he felt that what Marjorie, my Aunt Marjorie was able to do was, was demonic. And so he found this psychiatrist who diagnosed her as a schizophrenic. And one night, uh, this ambulance came to their house, and literally these two men in white coats came in. They forcibly removed her from her home, put her in a straitjacket, took her to a mental hospital where she was subjected for six months to electroshock therapy. Basically, they shocked her brain to the point where she no longer said she could see spirits again. And this happened probably 20 years before I was born. And, and my father was terrified when here I am, a three, three and a half, uh, almost four-year-old boy seeing spirits. And I remember that when I was getting ready to go to, to uh, kindergarten, no, no, excuse me, uh, first grade, um, I didn't go to kindergarten. I went to first grade. I started when I was five, and he sat me down, and he said, Mark, just talk about this to mommy and me, mm. because people who see things, other, others don't get taken away. And, and I, I didn't understand it, and then that really scared me when I was a little boy. And then as I got older, I understood what he was talking about, because, you know, I heard had, had what had happened to uh, my Aunt Marjorie, 
And um, that's the way we've been treated throughout the centuries. I mean, there's parts of the world today, Kristen, where, where people like me in the Middle East are beheaded for these. I mean, certainly in Afghanistan, and, and I don't think it's real popular in Iran. And I know in Saudi Arabia they put people to death for, for psychic um, abilities. And uh, it's very unfortunate that even in the 21st century, instead of these being studied, uh, well, they are being studied, but instead of these being looked at for being a benefit, there's still people that are clinging to these primitive fear-based uh, uh, ideas about it. Right, right. Well, and you do do a lot of traveling yourself, um, and we can get into a little bit of that. Um, you, you are known as the psychic explorer. I am curious, one, do you have to be very careful as you're, you know, throughout your travels across the world, and then maybe go into, describe to us what that actually means, what the psychic explorer is and all of that. Well, what, what's fascinating is uh, the media keeps coming up with labels for me, and they're actually not so mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, when I first went public with this, at the time I was uh, practicing law full-time, and that's mm. why uh, the media was calling me the psychic lawyer. And, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my publicist was like, well, go with that. It'll get you on TV, and it has, and I've been on, on television and radio several times, and, um, but when I started talking about and, and giving lectures at various organizations and, and universities throughout the country about my visits to mystical and spiritual sites around the world, because that's my hobby. I love reading about uh, ancient history, ancient mysteries, um, mystical phenomenon, and then going to the sites and examining them and seeing what I feel and, and visiting them. So another media outlet started calling me the Psychic Explorer. So what we've been doing, um, I had a talk with her when I go, look, I, you know, we've, we've got to crystallize this down. So uh, basically I'm now known as Mark Anthony J.D. Psychic Explorer. And J.D. is Juris Doctorate. That's my law degree. So it kind of shortens it and puts it all under one. But what I do is I've been to, to many sites around the world. I mean, we're talking uh, Loch Ness, Stonehenge, um, Avebury, the, the Mayan temples in, in the Yucatan, Machu Picchu, Cusco, Saxawaman in, in Peru, um, sites throughout Japan, the Southeast Asia, and then, of course, throughout the United States, the Caribbean, and other places in Europe. Um, and, and I go to these places and I see, like, you know, what I feel, um, I examine what's going on there, and I study it. And it's really fascinating because there are places in the world, Kristen, that just have a stronger vibration, a stronger energy. And, for example, Sedona. Sedona, Arizona, a very popular destination for people on spiritual quests. And... There, if you notice in Sedona, have you ever been to Sedona, Kristen? I have never been. No, I've always wanted to. Okay, definitely put it on your list. Same thing, all the listeners. What you'll notice in Sedona, it's, aside from that it's absolutely beautiful, is the mountains are orange. Now, why are they orange? They're orange because what color does iron turn when it rusts? Orange. So the mountains in that area have a high concentration of iron. What are magnets oftentimes mostly made up from? Iron. Mm -hmm. Iron. So there's a lot of electromagnetic energy there, 
which you know have been called energy vortexes. I mean, think about our, our own planet. You know, we have the North Pole, and then you have the magnetic North Pole, which actually moves because of the molten iron. You know, beneath the Earth's crust is shifting, and and so electromagnetic energy. And this is uh, some of the things that I go into the afterlife frequency, and I explain how everything on the subatomic level is electromagnetic energy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what's known as a quantum. You know, we have. Everything's made of molecules, which are made of atoms, which are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons, which in turn are made of quantum. Now, for, for the, the listeners, please, when you hear quantum physics, don't think that my book is a dry, technical, scientific treatise. I explain scientific concepts, but I illustrate them with engaging stories because I suffered through enough boring books in the practice of law that I promise I will not inflict that on anyone. <laughs> no, I can I can tell tell my listeners that it is it is nothing like that. It is not dry. Dry. It is very interesting, very compelling. And I'm a big old geek. I love the science stuff that you get into that side of it. But you're also very entertaining with the stories that you tell as well. You weave it together very very well. Well, thank you. Well, one of the, the benefits of having been a trial attorney, you know, I've tried over 100 jury trials, and then I did umpteen uh, what's called bench trials. That's where you try a case in front of a judge. You don't have a jury there. And you've got to, to be effective as an advocate or as a teacher or you know, as a writer. Take a complex concept and put it in everyday language that anyone can understand. And this is not a condescending or insulting thing. We've got to make it relatable mm -hmm. and then illustrate it with a story that people can identify with or hit home with. Um, and let me tell you, I mean, when I was studying the quantum physics for this book, there was one day, Kristen, I was ready just to beat my head against the wall. I mean, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was trying to understand this, this one concept. And this quote from Werner Heisenberg pops up on, on, the, on the, my research on the Internet. And Werner Heisenberg was one of the, the founders of quantum physics back in the early part of the 20th century. And the quote said, when you think you understand quantum physics, you really don't. And I burst, <laughs> you know, that was my reaction. I burst out laughing, and I yeah. felt so much better about myself because, of, okay, well, if he had a hard time with it. <laughs> yeah, it's a big old world. I, I especially love quantum physics. I do not understand it. <laughs> I know you, you understand it quite a bit more than I do, of course, but I'm fascinated by it. And, you know, I, I, I've often said on the show that one day I do hope to see you know, the, the side of the paranormal and the supernatural married with the side of science and, and logic and all of that. And I think that bridge is, is, is uh, that gap is going to be bridged by physics. I don't know. It's just a feeling. Well, and that, that's why I wrote the book, is to do exactly that. Because, you know, and you brought up a very important point. You said, well, I like quantum physics, but I don't necessarily understand it. And it's funny because um, one of the scientists who endorsed uh, the afterlife frequency, Dr. Dean Radin, who is the chief scientist for the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IONS, and uh, he's one of the, the biggies in, in afterlife uh, and survival of consciousness research, he said, Mark, if you get 100 of us, meaning quantum physicists, in a room together, because nobody can agree on anything. 
You, you know, mm-hmm. he said mm-hmm. uh, because there's such a divergence there. And the thing is, Kristen, you don't have to understand necessarily the mathematical calculations to get the concept. And and so that's that's what I try to to um, to explain to people is this is the concept. This is what the scientists have discovered, have proven, or have theorized. And then I apply it to to understanding spirit communication in all its different forms, whether it's mediumship, which is, you know, be me being a medium and perceiving spirits, or what if somebody has um, their part of a shared death experience? In other words, mm. when somebody that they love is dying and that person begins to see spirits around them, and uh, traditionally this has been called a grief-induced hallucination by or um, uh, somebody who's terminally ill, but then when people who are not in imminent danger of dying also see these spirits. Now, why is that happening? And I go into that and explain how, how uh, the frequency of the person who is transitioning their soul, uh, that their, the electromagnetic field of their soul is now interfacing with the electromagnetic field of the brains of the people around them, which in turn are interfacing with the electromagnetic energy of the other side, the afterlife frequency. And this is not some woohoo airy fairy thing. This has been documented worldwide, uh, and uh, scientists um, have been recording this for hundreds of years. And now we have the technology to begin to observe it and even understand it through the scientific method. That is so exciting, and and I was actually very fascinated when you were talking about the shared death experience, because as as much of a fan of, you know, like Raymond Moody and and Afterlife Theory and all of these types of books, I had never heard of that concept before. Um, You you introduce some other concepts and actually some new terms in your book, and you just mentioned it, the electromagnetic soul. You developed that term, is that right? I did, and I wanted to explain what we really are in a way that that crosses faith, bridges the divide between faith and science. Since the dawn of, of recorded history, every great spiritual teacher has, you know, it t- taught that the soul, the who and what we are, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then exits the body when the body physically dies. And the consciousness has also been referred to as a soul or as a spirit. And we know from the laws of thermodynamics in physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And we know from the field of neuroscience that the human body has an electrical field. Uh, the heart has the most powerful electrical field, which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a pump. It's pumping blood. Um, but the brain, the cerebral cortex, has the most complex electrical field in the body. And so I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to define and describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And as I was reading through, uh, I, something did occur to me. So I'm, I'm an animal lover myself. I, I have, I often joke with people I know, I have a zoo here, um, and, uh, and they are all my world. Do animals have an electromagnetic soul as well as humans? Absolutely. See, 
you know, I, I, I was raised in the Catholic faith, and I remember only humans have souls. Mm. Well, when you start engaging in afterlife research, you realize that that's just human arrogance to decide, you know, that, that we're the only ones worthy of a soul. Well, the truth of the matter is something makes a cat alive. Something makes a dog, a horse, an alligator, a fish, a jellyfish. Um, everything that is alive is alive because of energy. And so when that being dies, their EMS, their electromagnetic soul, also leaves their body and transfers to the higher frequency uh, of the other side. And I've conducted close to 15,000 readings, maybe more than that in my life. And it's not unusual during a session for animals to communicate. And I've communicated with dogs, cats, birds, uh, bunnies, gerbils, uh, horses. I even communicated with a bear one time, which was <laughs> rather interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, so um, and, and what's fascinating is I know some of my, my colleagues say they've communicated with reptiles. I haven't um, picked up on any reptile spirits. And the thought there, the school of thought there, is that any being capable of the emotion of love is capable of spirit communication because spirit communication is based on love. So as interesting as it may be to communicate with an alligator, um, apparently it doesn't have a love connection with, with people. Huh. Okay. Well, and then uh, you did, you were talking about how the afterlife frequency is endorsed, and it is endorsed by some of the world's top researchers in near-death experiences, survival of consciousness, that sort of thing. Can you go into what is meant by a near-death experience, and can you tell us about yours? Near-death experiences are fascinating, and they've been recorded for thousands of years. Um, uh, I'm not going to go into mine because I want people to read about it in, in the book, but I'm going to share with you something that I'm working on for a presentation that I'll be giving to the International Association for Near-Death Studies in, in uh, September of 2022. Um, I'm presenting uh, a PowerPoint presentation, which is, which is normally what I do in my lectures, because I like to illustrate what I'm doing and then explain what, what's happening, but, um, or, or what my theories are. But near-death experiences have been recorded for thousands of years, and they baffled people. They baffled religious leaders. They they mystified physicians because people would die, and then they'd come back to life with these tales, these resurrections. And one of the things I'm working on is a couple passages in, in Scripture which appear to be accounts of a near-death experience. Jonah and the whale. Now, we've all heard that story, okay? Jonah, he's supposed to be going to uh, God tells him you got to go to what is now a rock to preach to the people of Nineveh, which is this big sinful city. And Jonah's like, no way. So he hops on a boat to head in the opposite direction to the west uh, in the Mediterranean, and uh, a big storm happens, and uh, basically the sailors throw him overboard to, you know, to get rid of the uh, negative energy. And a giant fish swallows him, and for three days he's in this fish, and he prays, and he has this revelation about as my life is ebbing away, I see the temple of the Lord. And then he is, uh, the Lord commands that the fish regurgitates him. Now, 
there are people who take scripture literally, and if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And then there's um, the other camp that looks at a lot of scripture as being metaphor and parable. Um, and that's, you know, think of the way Jesus would teach, you know, the prodigal son, um, the good Samaritan. I mean, there's many examples. Jesus would teach using parables, so would Buddha. It's not an unusual thing for spiritual leaders to teach using a metaphor so that people can relate to the story. And if you look at Jonah, okay, from a scientific standpoint, there's very few whales ever in the the Mediterranean. So it doesn't appear that it was a whale, and if it was, a whale's esophagus is only like six inches wide, so the idea of a whale swallowing a person. Then it depends how you decipher the word fish uh, from the, the ancient Aramaic and Hebrew. It could also mean Leviathan, which would be like a demonic sea monster, or it could also be monster. Long story short, if you take it as a parable, as a metaphor, Jonah may have drowned and had a near-death experience, and on the third day, he came out of it with a whole renewed sense of purpose and faith. Interesting. Then when you look at, in uh, the book of Corinthians, how the Apostle Paul is he writes about, I know a third man in Christ who was caught up. No, I know a man in Christ who was caught up in the third heaven. And basically, it appears that this is a description of a near-death experience, because in the Bible, there's three levels of heaven. Uh, the first is the sky, the second is the realm of the stars, the third is the abode of God. And there are many people who think that uh, the account in Corinthians was by Paul himself describing a near-death experience. And it's really quite fascinating. And I could go on and on and on, but, but um, the ancient Greeks record these. I mean, they're in all these cultures. So a near-death experience occurs when your electromagnetic soul leaves your body and you are still coherent and aware and you think of our world... Um, you got a rubber band attached to it, and you're stretching it all the way to the other side, and then you get pulled back. And so what happens is, in an NDE, a near-death experience, your consciousness leaves your body, however, it remains intact. And in most NDEs, people encounter spirits of loved ones who've died. In others, they go to a next stage and, and encounter the divine um, energy that, that we can call God. Um, most people, or pretty much everyone that comes back from these experiences, it's a very life-changing event, and uh, they, they come back being, you know, more more peaceful, uh, feeling of interconnectedness, um, enhanced psychic abilities. It's it's really really quite fascinating. Oh gosh, it sure is. It, it's it's one of my favorite subjects of all time, uh, near-death experiences, and now shared death experiences from what I've read in your book. I, I do need to look into that a little bit more. Um, now, you do spend some time talking about these subjects at length in your book, uh, different forms of spirit contact that one can have. So people can have these types of experiences, deathbed visions, they can experience it via their own dreams. And, you know, through psychics and mediums such as yourself, is there a common denominator between all the different forms of contact? 
Absolutely. The common denominator is energy. And that's one of the reasons I developed the term the electromagnetic soul. Because historically, Kristen, uh, um, a near-death experience, a shared death experience, a deathbed vision, mediumship, or a visitation uh, of, of a spirit to somebody who's not necessarily medium, maybe in a dream state or you feel the presence around, they've all been treated as separate phenomena. But the common denominator is the EMS, the electromagnetic soul. And so that's why I developed um, the term to explain how everything is about energy. And I was trying to figure out how, how do I explain to people who are not mediums how they can still receive messages from spirits and benefit from it. And I was working at my computer, and I was writing, and I hit the dreaded writer's block. And, you know, Chris, it always seems to happen when you schedule the time to actually work on it. Yeah. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll schedule an entire day off, and I sit down, and nothing. Yeah. Nada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's always when, oh, my gosh, I have an appointment in 15 minutes, and I get a revelation. And, <laughs> and so, the, the, so that was one of those non-revelatory mornings. And so I figured, let me go for a walk on the beach, because I, I don't live that far from the ocean. And I start heading in that direction, and all of a sudden I get tingles and chills throughout my body. So I'm like, okay, this is electromagnetic activity going on. And I'm guided to go in the opposite direction. So I'm not walking toward the beach. I decide to go now for a walk on this bike path. It's uh, midday. It's bright, sunny day. And I see these two objects shining in the sun. So I walk up to them, and I see a nickel and a penny laying on the bike path. And I'm like, oh. So I go to bend over to pick them up, and I hear my mother's voice from the other side. If their head's down, it's bad luck. And I'm laughing because my mother's family, they're of Italian descent, and there's a superstition for all occasions <laughs> in the Italian culture. And for everyone who's Italian out there listening, you understand. And then I hear my dad. <laughs> I hear my dad's voice. It's money. Grab it. And I'm laughing, you know, because it's like my parents are making me crack up. So here I am. I'm holding a nickel and a penny in my hands. Like, oh, six cents. Then I go, oh, wait a second. Six sense. I'm like, okay, okay, something's going on here. And then in my mind's eye, I see my dad. I see him standing in the ocean up to his waist holding this blue canvas raft. Now, dad was a Navy SEAL. He was a scuba diver and he was a swimming instructor at the Y. He used to teach kids how to swim. And all of a sudden, I go, why are you showing me a raft? And then I hear my parents' voices teach people how to recognize signs from spirits, accept the contact is real, feel it without fear and overthinking it, and trust the message. I go, oh, my God, raft. That's what they're telling me. So I run back, and, and you know, I just was able to, to get all this down, and, and it was just amazing how this came. But then as I started thinking about it, this applies to a much broader spectrum than just what happened to me. This can be used to help people make sense of a near-death experience or a shared death experience or a visitation in a dream. Or if you go to a medium and you receive messages that you don't initially understand, then later you begin to ponder it and see, oh my gosh, how this will apply. So 
um, I, I introduce the raft technique in the afterlife frequency, and I and I give people some some exercises, very easy ones, how to become more spiritually situationally aware, so that you pick up on on the uh, the ver that many times very subtle signs transmitted to us by spirits, and that will teach you how to recognize, accept, feel, and trust the messages transmitted by spirits so you'll get the maximum benefit out of it. All right. Yeah, I loved the stuff on the raft technique, and it is so simple. You make it so simple to understand. If people apply the raft technique just as you lay out in your book, will it always be accurate? Yes, yes. And, and I want to uh, go the first two steps, recognizing and accepting the signs. A lot of people can do that. Let, let's say that um, you you um, are driving down the highway and all of a sudden you feel that you need to turn on the radio and there's that song that makes you think of someone you love who died. Okay, do you think that was just a fluke that you were prompted to do that? So you recognize the sign, you accept it as real, then what, what's the message? What's coming to you? Maybe it's a line in the song or maybe it's an association that you make. Well, here's where people go wrong. It's on the third step. It's... Uh, feeling without overthinking it. Oh, it's a, it's a coincidence. Oh, I'm making it up. It's my imagination. You, know, you start picking, I call it cross-examining the experience. Okay, start pick, pick, pick. All right, then it's going to fizzle out. All right, so if you make it through that, okay, you, you get the, the, the overthinking out of the way, you, know, right, you feel it. Then you got to trust it. Now, there's a lot of people who say, but how do you know it's, it's not an evil message? Well, because messages from the divine messages from spirits are not controlling. They're about love, healing, resolution, inner peace, and protection. They're never about anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence. So if you think you're getting a message from some supernatural entity to tell you to strap on a bomb vest and go blow up a school or to start an insurrection or to invade the Ukraine, well, you're not getting messages from the divine you're getting messages from your own self as center of the universe ego, edging God out. And therein lies the difference, because true messages from the divine, from spirit, spirits are always very positive. Love, healing, resolution, protection. Oh, wow. And you, so you talk in your book about helping people to develop a heightened sense of spiritual situational awareness. Uh, is, that, is that what the RAF technique is doing? Is it more than that? And what, what is spiritual situational awareness for, for those who don't know? Oh, that, that's okay. Uh, spiritual situational awareness is, is, leads into the RAF technique. Um, my, you know, once again, my dad was a Navy SEAL. And it was so funny because, like, every time I'd go anywhere when I was a kid, and I'd be like, you know, oh, I'm going to go up to the store and get an icy. Be aware. <laughs> Dad, be aware. <laughs> and it got to be a joke. You know, where we go, Dad said, and don't forget, we'd say, right, 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 be aware. To which after he would always say, I love you. Dad was always, both my parents, you know, whenever we left, they always said, I love you. Very important thing for people to learn to say. You know, don't do this. Oh, they're supposed to know that I love that. Tell people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell people mm -hmm. you love them. Yeah. No matter what the conversation is on the phone, in person, no matter how heated it is. I mean, because nobody can torque us off more than the people we love. But always tell someone you love 
I love you, because you never know if that's the last thing you'll ever say to that person. Yep, never know. Okay? Yeah, exactly. And and so for people that, like my dad, who were special ops, but also if you talk to first responders, you know, paramedics, police, um, situational awareness is wherever you are, you pay attention to what's around you. Take a look around, especially these days. You know, you're, you're in a crowded place. Scan the room. See where the exits are, all right? See who's around, what looks safe, what doesn't. Well, that's what's known as situational awareness. Spiritual situational awareness is being open to not just the visible, but the unseen influences and energies. So if all of a sudden you start getting a tingly sensation or you get this feeling that I need to not be here or if you encounter somebody that maybe all smiles but you get that sensation that maybe I should not trust this person, this is all part of spiritual situational awareness. So it takes things from, from just the physical to an enhanced level of awareness. And then that is going to flow into application of the RAF technique. And so I explain all of this in, in uh, the afterlife frequency. So once you start working on your situational awareness, um, then that will lead to the spiritual situational awareness, and then that will lead into applying the RAF technique. Right. And you spend so much time explaining to people in the afterlife frequency, how they can go about communicating with their deceased loved ones, uh, the spiritual situational awareness, how to heighten that sense, explaining how it works, why it works, the science behind it. My question is, as someone who's made his way profoundly onto the world stage as a psychic medium, why would you remove the mystery? Because there's no such thing as a mystery. A mystery is only a question for which we do not yet have an answer. And I learned that when I was about eight years old. You know, my dad, uh, he worked um, for NASA and, you know, in the space program. And, and when I was a little kid, I mean, dad was like, you work with astronauts? You know, I just thought he was way cool. And, uh, you know, and it's great because, you know, as I grew into a man, my father became not just my dad, a man that I loved, but my friend, you know, and I think, you know, that that's, that's a, a good evolution for, for people's relationships. And I remember we were looking at the stars and, and I, he said, Mark, there's no such thing as a mystery. There's only questions for which we do not yet have the answer. He said, because if enough research, if enough money, if enough focus, dedication is applied to any question, we're going to find the answer, he goes, and it will be science that will explain it. And that doesn't negate the spiritual, because there is a delivery system, there's an explanation for everything. Because some people say, oh, well, God works in mysterious ways. And it's like, well, yes, but God works through quantum physics, okay? Mm -hmm. And and which is mysterious enough <laughs> as it is. <laughs> but, but the thing is, um, I don't see any problem with explaining that, that God is energy, we're all energy, and energy is all interconnected on the subatomic level. Now, doesn't that explain always was, always will be? It absolutely does. Who do you think would benefit most from reading The Afterlife Frequency? 
I think anyone who wants to understand more about what happens when we die, but I also think um, it, it helps people coping with the loss of a loved one. It also addresses people who are, are suffering with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because there's a number of stories that, that go into it. And I think people who really like a good page turner. <laughs> yeah, it is certainly that. Well, on, on that, um, we're going to wrap it up here in just a second. I just wanted to ask, how does your book deal with those darker issues? Because you do go into those quite a bit, the PTSD, suicide, survivor's guilt, all of that. Well, what I do in the book is I give stories of people who've been through just absolutely horrific things. Um, and death, murder, um, I mean, death and murder, yes, are interrelated, but, but people murdered, um, people who've been in military combat, uh, parents who've, who've suffered the crushing, uh, crushingly painful loss of a child, confronted, I mean, in, in, in the book, I, I write the story to confront it, and then I explain how spirits um, not only not only is the electromagnetic soul survive physical death, but how they're able to communicate messages to us. And not only communicating messages, but verifiable facts and pieces of information to guarantee that that person did not disintegrate. And so what, what the afterlife frequency does to help people cope with loss, um, with, with PTSD, with survivor's guilt, is help people understand that God exists, that heaven, nirvana, the afterlife uh, exists, that our souls an immortal living spirit, that we can communicate with, with souls, and that we'll be reunited with our loved ones when it is our time, our appointed time, to leave this material world. Right, right. And anyone who has experienced loss, grief, or trauma can appreciate a message like that and, and, you know, to be given that kind of hope and assurance to know that there is light and that it's not the end, you know, whatever their situation may be. Um, so, okay, so Mark, can you tell us what has happened since the afterlife frequency has been released? I'm really... Uh been been overwhelmed by the response that it's gotten. I um, mean, it's already in a second um, publication. Film icon Shirley MacLaine has recommended it in her newsletter. I was informed by Columbia University that it's been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. And then this morning, I received notification from prettyprogressive.com that it's been designated one of the 16 best books about faith in God. Oh, that's incredible. Outstanding. Well, thank you. Well, I will definitely be uh, telling my listeners, linking it below, where they can find the Afterlife Frequency to buy it. Uh, before we sign off for today, my final question for you. If you have a spiritual message for the world, what is it? It's God exists, heaven exists, our souls are immortal living spirits, we can communicate with them, and we will see our loved ones again. And I know I'm repeating or giving a shorter version of what I just said, but that is, that is what I have been told. 
I am supposed to be helping people understand. And uh, that's a whole story in and of itself, how, how that came to me. And, uh, you know, and at the time I was a senior partner in a law firm and I have this major spiritual experience and I'm like, seriously? And then I realized that everything in my life had led up to the point where, yes, this door has now opened. And it wasn't about do I go through it. It was like I was catapulted through it. And I've never looked back. And so all I can say to, to everyone who's been part of my journey, both on this side and on the other side, I'm humbled and honored that you've put that type of trust in me. You know, I'd like to close with something Mother Teresa said that, that gives me a lot of, lot of focus and a lot of perspective. She said that God never gives me more than I can handle, but I wish God wouldn't trust me so much. <laughs> that is lovely. Thank you for that, sir. All right. Uh, where do you want my listeners to go to buy the Afterlife Frequency? Do you want to send them to the website? Uh, sure. I mean, it's available at all fine bookstores, um, Google Books, Amazon, and they go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Uh, they can click on the link uh, to purchase it through Amazon. Okay. All right, folks. That is afterlifefrequency.com or the Amazon. I will include both those links down below as well as where you can follow Mr. Anthony. Uh, I sincerely encourage you all to check it out. Thank you again, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. I've I enjoyed talking to Kristen. That is a wrap for today. My humblest gratitude to Mark again for coming on the show. My deepest thanks and appreciation goes out to you, the listeners. I have some incredible supporters of the show who have been following along since the beginning. I appreciate that y'all regularly reach out to touch base or share your stories or just to let me know that you're still out there and listening. It's incredible to me, the folks I've met. No, the friends that I have made in the past 12 months. And I look forward to getting to know anyone who is just now joining us. My door is always open. I will be saying that often. So welcome aboard. Stay in touch. The easiest way to keep up with all things Paranorm Girl is going to be over on the socials. The handle for all of them is at Paranorm Girl Pod. And of course, you can always email me at paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. That's it for now, folks. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Until then, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. <laughs>